Today's show is brought to you by Brooklinen. These are the best sheets we've ever slept on. Get 15% off and free shipping when you use the promo code REAL at brooklinen.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Noom. You don't have to change it all in one day. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash real life. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jeff here. Fun podcast episode today. A couple different things that are going to be a treat. One, it's just me by myself, so don't be so disappointed. (laughs) Um, Two, I am in Irvine, California right now, recording this. Um, and I'm excited for what we're going to chat about. I'm on the book tour doing press, talking about the book, speaking. It's been so fun to meet you guys. It's been so fun to talk about the book. Cool news, by the way, I just read today, and if you saw my Insta story, you already know this, uh, and it sounds funny to say, but To Hell With The Hustle is one, was number 139 on the USA Today bestsellers list. Now, the reason they go so high, because it's like, why does it go up into the hundreds, right? That's what I thought. Uh, but why that's really cool is there's the New York Times bestseller list, there's Washington Post list, there's a bunch of lists. Um, but those are all categorical and there's a bunch of different categories. USA Today only has one list and every single literal book that's existing can be on that list. Fiction, nonfiction, financial, self-help, religious, etc. So to be 139 out of basically every book in the world uh, is really, really cool. And that's all because of you guys. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been so fun. Um, and it's been such a treat to read your guys' messages. I've been so encouraged. Oh, and I'm just, it's been so fun. This has probably been my favorite book launch I've ever done. So thank you guys. If you've bought it, if you've gotten your own copy, if you've gotten one for friends, if you've posted about it, I have tried to read every single message, every single comment, respond, and it's a huge blessing to me. So thank you. Um, today's podcast is going to be fun. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of a flash list. What do they call that? Uh, where I'm, I'm going to try to, uh, talk about 10 ways to de-hustle your life. And if you pre-ordered the book and you got this as a PDF, you'll recognize some of these, but I'm going to kind of go at it from a different angle and talk about it and expand on some of them. So it's going to be kind of a faster paced episode where I'm only going to spend a minute or two on each, but I hope it's kind of this grenade maybe as you go throughout your day today. And as you listen, that just kind of gives you something sparks, something sticks. And one or two of these become like a, Oh yeah, I want to chase that down. I want to learn more there. Um, so 10 ways to de-hustle your life. Number one, <clears throat> is make boundaries for your phone. You guys have heard me talk about this a ton, but this one is really, really important. And here's the premise. If you don't have any rules for your phone, like meaning if you don't have some type of manifesto, some type of boundary, some type of uh, ways in which you're going to operate with technology, then you will lose the battle. Uh, And that's simply because that's just the world we're in. If you don't have a competing, resisting agenda, to the agenda that technology has for us, which it does. Like they're businesses, I don't think they're evil, but they're businesses um, that have agendas that want to make profit for their shareholders and they're going to make things a certain color. They're going to make things in a certain way. They're going to price things in a certain way so that we engage with them. And that's totally fine and normal. But unless you have a competing force, a competing agenda, you will lose that battle. So what can those boundaries be? And again, it's this is not uh, legalistic. This isn't everyone has to have the same rules. Here's a really good question to ask. What boundaries 
would be helpful for you to make with technology that would point you in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. So for us, I've noticed it doesn't go well when I bring my phone in the bedroom. It's distracting. It's not helpful. I'll look at it way too early in the morning or too late at night, which is not good for my thoughts. So the phone can't come in our bedroom. Um, I try to not have it. I try to have it off like an hour a day, at least one hour a day where I'm not connected. I can't be reached. Um, that's one easy one. I never, I leave it in the car on date nights. Um, and when we go to friends' houses and all these different things, and those are, those don't have to be your rules, but what would it look like if you had rules like that? Um, number two, this one's an interesting one. I can't expand on it a ton, but number two to de-hustle your life is make a ceiling for yourself. A lot of us, we're always, the minute we get something, a new promotion, a new job, we're already thinking of the next thing. And of course that's fine. We want to be ambitious. We want to be driven. We want to work hard, but do we also believe and are we content in whatever we basically is what we're dreaming of what we want next, just a carrot on the stick that we'll constantly be chasing. Or can we really say like, no, I wanted to get to this place. I got to this place. Now I am content. Now I want to learn how to be faithful in this place. I want to learn how to love better in this place. I want to learn how to uh, be a better coworker in this place. And so I think that's a fun one is man, make a ceiling for yourself. What would that look like? Um, what is that ceiling? Um, because there is something about the scriptures where contentment is an operative distinctive of followers of Jesus. And what would it look like if we actually showed that, that we were content people, that we have enough, that we have everything we need in Jesus. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break to talk about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Brooklinen. You know we love them. You spend a third of your life in your sheets. I probably spend more because I take, I sleep at least eight hours a night, and I take a little nap. So, don't you think it's important that you actually have sheets and a comfortable bed that are good and high quality, but not with the high quality prices? That's where Brooklinen comes in. I love them, you guys. They've basically been named the winner of the best online bedding category. They have 35,000 plus five-star reviews and over half a million people consider themselves happy sleepers with Brooklyn. And um, if you don't know about them, they were founded in early 2014 by husband and wife, Vicki and Rich. And essentially the whole premise is luxury sheets, towels, and bedding without the luxury markup. So I absolutely love them. Now, um, we think they're so comfortable and their towels are so awesome that we want to hook you guys up. So they're giving an exclusive offer just to you guys. So you can get 10% off and free shipping when you use the promo code REAL at brooklinen.com. And they're so confident that they, in all their sheets, comforters, towels, that they actually come with a lifetime warranty, which is crazy. So the only way to get 10% off and free shipping is use the promo code REAL at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code REAL. Uh, the third one, this one kind of actually goes with this, the first, second one, and that's practice Thanksgiving. One of my favorite things is we're, we're always searching for God's will. We're always saying, what college do I need to go to? Who do I need to marry? What do I need to do? I think there's so much freedom and choice there for you to choose freely as, as long as you are within the, the guidelines, I think of, you know, a strong church community, you're, uh, in, you're in community, you're in prayer, you're in the scriptures. There's no glaring sin in your life. And I think God, through the freedom of our choice, our desires start to become like his and we can choose, and even if we choose wrongly, by the way, he's big enough to put us back on the right direction, is he not? But there's a couple Bible verses that do talk about God's will for your life. There's no verse that says, date this person, take this job, move to this place. There's a couple verses, though, that actually say, no, no, I am going to be very specific, right? And Paul, I think in First Thessalonians, 
One of them is abstain, abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from sexual immorality. And the second one is this is God's will for you, your life, that you would be thankful. There's something about thanksgiving that deeply in the 21st century is an act of resistance. Entitlement is the air we breathe, it's the spirit we live in. And so to actually believe that, you know, to count blessings, to go throughout the day with open palms and say, I receive whatever you have for me, Lord, as an act of thanksgiving, that you will use it, you will teach me, you will be with me. Um, and that is a gift, and that is a gift. Fourth one, I love this one, hold meals in high regard. <clears throat> Crazy stat I read the other day, guys, um, and this is for families, but I think it's true of dorms, single people, etc. A um, hundred years ago, the average meal, I'm guessing they're talking about dinner, the average meal took 90 minutes. The average meal today is 12. Now, do we really believe that that's not going to affect us? That's not going to harm our relationships. That's not going to corrode our neighbors and our families and our meals. Now, do I think we have to have 90 minute dinners? No, but there's something about the table. There's something about sharing a meal that is so deeply such an act of resistance to the hustle. Because when you sit at a table and you are fully present, the phone is put away, you're delighting in good food and good relationship and feasting with those in front of you, that in some way is an act of resistance and you can't hustle while you're doing that. It's impossible to hustle and hurry when you fully enter in to what the table actually is. We need to stop seeing food as fuel, as calories, as nutrition, and as actually a sacred act and a sacred equalizer that allows us to come to the table in relationship, to, to slow down, to enter into God's pace and cadence. Isn't it crazy that some of the biggest moments in Jesus's life, um, or at least some of the prominent teachings and centralized moments in the gospels were at meals. So many of his teachings were at meals. Uh, he, when he instituted the Lord's supper and communion, that was at a meal. Um, there's so much there. Number five, honor a Sabbath. Again, hustle culture. One of the biggest ways we can stand up and say, no, I am not what I do. I am not what I have. I am not my job is by taking one day a week to cease and to celebrate, to delight in God's goodness, to humanize ourselves, humanize our relationships, to enter into a space of worship, delight and feasting. And Sabbath is that place. It is that way. Um, I always find it fascinating that no one else thinks any of the other 10 commandments are a suggestion, right? No one goes, Oh, don't murder. Well, that was like an old Testament thing right? Don't covet. Well, that was an Old Testament thing. But we say, we look at don't Sabbath and we go, eh, I mean Sabbath. And we say, eh, that's an Old Testament thing. Now, Paul makes it clear. It's a judgment free zone. At some level, it's a suggestion. And so we're free. There's no one can judge. We're free to delight and celebrate. But is there something in the design of the universe, just like there is in regards to the other 10 commandments of how they, they, the world goes well when these are being held in account, um, that, Sabbath is one of those things and that Jesus is our, our true Sabbath. So let's make it clear too that Sabbath is just a day to tell a story because Jesus now is our true Sabbath. Every day we should be entering into Sabbath rest, but once a week in a more holiday fashion, we get to play act that we get to tell that story. We get to kind of get on the stage and almost be actors in a play. And that's what I think it means. Um, when the scriptures tell us that Sabbath is a gift and a beautiful thing and it was made for us. Number six, live in a yearly rhythm. This one is kind of funny because we are so not this in the West, but man, like 
Have you ever thought about the fact that like we shouldn't be able to get a tomato 12 months a year? Like we, we because we don't believe in limits, because we don't believe in um, you know, being hindered by any any standard of limitation, then what that does to us is that also kills our ability to enter into the richness of seasonal rhythms, right? And so another way I would say that too that me and Alyssa try to think about is we want to actually, we want to not erase the seasons, we want to even up them. So if it's spring, we want to go extra spring. If it's summer, we want to we be extra summery. If it's fall, we want to be extra folly, right? And winter, and extra wintry. Now what does that mean? I think each person, whether you're a college student, a young professional, a family, we get to figure that out. But what does it mean to live in rhythm? I think it means we should, and that's what the biblical feasts show so well, is that those feasts were tied to seasons, Right? Uh, one, there's one for lament, there's one for celebration, there's one for harvesting, there's one for this, like, there's one for preparing and waiting, there's one for the party, uh, because the seasons, I think, tell this story, and entering again into that design is similar to Sabbath, where it's a music that's playing, the question is, are we going to dance into that? So one, one exercise I give to, with people when I talk about them with this is, um, get out a piece of paper and just map out the year, you know, like kind of, you can see the four seasons, but maybe map out more like your life season. So it's like, you know, if you got a bunch of school kids, we got the school, the fall, the school year starting here. We have a bunch of birthdays here. My job gets really busy right here. Kind of map out the practicals and then kind of start mapping out, uh, season, like seasons that you notice. And then what I would say is put names or adjectives on those seasons and try to ask yourself, can we live into that? So for example, you know, claim a season, say this from April to June, we're not as busy. So we're going to call that a restful season, which means we're actually going to craft, not just sitting there, but actually resting. We're going to go on more hikes. We're going to get outside more. We're going to work on our family more. We're going to seek and pray the Lord, pray with, towards the Lord because we have more time to get a name for our family. You know, or maybe it's a harvesting season. So, hey, we're going to harvest here. We're going to try to uh, really be fruitful, uh, steward the fruit in this season. And to me, I think putting names and adjectives on those seasons is really, really helpful. Hey guys, I want to take another break to tell you about one of the Seek sponsors, and that is Noom. You guys know I love Noom because of the holistic approach they take to actually getting you in shape, uh, physical health, mental health, and a bunch of other tools and resources. Because at the end of the day, I think there's way too many programs that say that getting in shape is about losing weight. That's not what it's about. It's about getting in shape. It's about being healthy and learning healthier habits. And uh, Noom supports that and points in that direction, which is why I love them. And it's kind of a one-stop shop. So you can use one program for basically all health and nutrition and workout needs. And it's really, really cool. Now, um, I love it through using it. There's, you know, better mental clarity, uh, better self-care, um, more energy, um, and just really, really helpful tools that are really, really awesome. Now, if you don't know what it is, it's basically a habit-changing solution that helps you learn to develop new relationships with nutrition and food, um, working out, etc., through like personalized courses. It's really cool, um, and I really love it for a bunch of different reasons. Now, uh, one of the main things is that they have one of the most accurate and biggest food databases available, so it lets you kind of like know what you're eating, why you're eating, what the point of it is, and what actual true health is uh, as we take care of our bodies. So it's really, really cool, and I love it too because it's set up for you to constantly be able to jump back in. It's um, not hard to maybe take a day off, but then jump back in, be more committed, and sometimes it only takes just a few minutes every single day, which is really cool. And you even get to chat with your own goal specialist and the Noom community, so it helps you, and there's accountability. So you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash real life. That's n-o-o-m.com slash real life. Again, noom.com slash real life. Start your trial today.
Number seven, build in time to serve others. I know for me, one of the biggest ways that I can just absolutely, here's another way to put it. One of the, when hustle and hurry gets in my heart, one of the first things I stop doing is serving and loving other people. Hustle and hurry makes you deeply selfish, deeply selfish. We only care about us. We get frantic and anxious about us, what we need to do, what's going on, where the pressures and stresses are. But what would it look like to build in time to serve others? And not, and why I say build in time is I mean like schedule it. Say Wednesday or Thursdays, I do X. I take, I try to take a, a meal to my neighbor every Thursday. I try to uh, do something for our mailman once a month. I try to, you know, serve the kids or even my spouse in this way every day or every week. And when you're serving others, that's almost like this, uh, this corrodes this hustle and hurry spirit, which I think is really, really, um, helpful. And so I think be still be spontaneous with serving others. But I know for us, I'd actually serve people more when I schedule it. Uh, number eight, let things not always have a goal or a purpose. Oh, I love this one. And um, here's the truth. We've basically just lost the art of doing things just because. Everything in our culture, we're obsessed with ROI. If you don't know what that means, it means return on investment. In our culture, we're obsessed. Everything we do has to have a return on investment. It needs to bless us back. It needs to be for a reason. It needs to be on purpose. It needs to give us fruit. It needs to give us feedback. But doing things just because is actually sometimes holy because it feels wasteful. But there's some precedent in the scripture of wastefulness actually being holy and sacred. I talked about this on Instagram a couple weeks ago, that Jesus, by worldly standards, wasted his life. He was a waste of talent. He could have done so much more with the power he had. He could have not hidden himself as much as he did. And ultimately, he wasted himself up on the cross by dying and being crucified under the Roman Empire. There's some, And then the, 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 what is it, Mark 12 or Luke 12, the, the, the lady with the alabaster perfume that wastes a year's worth of wages of perfume on his feet. There's something about waste that actually is really sacred, really holy. And you have to be spirit led to know when it's that moment versus when it's another moment of, no, we should be intentional. We should pay attention, but listening to the spirit and saying, man, what would it look like if I do some things just because number nine, practice presence. I love this one. Do you practice just being with whoever's right in front of you? Or have you ever practiced being present to yourself? So one of my favorite practices, I think it was from Pete Scazzaro, talks about the daily office, which is also an Anglican tradition. And he takes three moments of pause, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, to pause, I think for like a minute or two, nothing crazy. And maybe I think, you know, I've even done it where an alarm goes off on my phone to just remind me that, okay, who am I today? Why am I here? What does God have for me? God loves me. He's for me. He sees me. There's something about just being present and embodied in the moment and reminding yourself of who you are in Christ in small micro ways that just is so powerful. You become anchored, you become non-anxious, you become more aware of his spirit and his voice. And when you're more present to yourself, then I also think you're more present to other people. That's when you're more present to what they're saying, entering into their stories, entering into their conversations. Number 10, last one, start reading more books. I know for me, I've noticed that the, as the world goes on and on and the internet culture gets more and more and the phones get buzzier and buzzier, uh, what that does to me sometimes is it fragments my brain and my imagination. I have a tough time uh, doing anything that's more deep work or deeply focused. And I've realized books are my resistance of that. If I put my phone away, put it in another room and pick up a book, it does some, it still keeps me, it's training my brain to stay focused, to stay longer, to linger in thought. And not only the practice of it, but then also the information and knowledge of it to, to 
you know, sit with someone's idea that they worked on for years is so much better than maybe some tweet they put out in two seconds. And so reading to me has so many different layers of why it's a helpful mitigation against the hustle culture. But that's one that I would end on of read more books, stay in books, put the phone away, and it does something to you on many different levels. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. This was a really fun one. Hopefully it's encouraging. Take one or two that stuck with you, chew on it for the rest of the day, ask yourself how you can grow in it, continue to live in it. And remember, we care a more, the, the, our walk with Jesus is not about spiritual perfection, it's about spiritual formation. So when you hear things like this, it's not about, did I do it right or did I not? It's no, 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 I'm going to begin, I'm going to put myself on this path of practice. And I'm going to try to get better and better incrementally over time so that I can become more and more like the person of Jesus. And that's deeply, deeply important. So I love you guys so much. If you have gotten the book, keep letting me know, keep sharing about it. And I'm just so, so stoked on all your guys' stories. And it's such an encouragement. So love you guys. See you next week.